The International Association for Near-Death Studies presents NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. Welcome to NDE Radio, brought to you by IANS, the International Association for Near-Death Studies. I'm your host, Lee Whitting. One of the benefits enjoyed by IANS members is the monthly report from the files of IANS of an NDE or similar mystical experience as told in the words of the experiencer themselves. I enjoy reading these reports and from time to time reading them to you. So that's what's on the agenda for today's show. This first report is the monthly report for uh, August of 2018. In this account, a man recalls two NDEs and analyzes why his NDEs are different from those he has read about. The second and more in-depth NDE includes some interesting elements, especially his meeting up with other recently deceased souls for a tour of space and the universe, his description of the tones stars emit, and what he says about love there. He describes the changes he and others have noticed in him since his two NDEs, in trying to understand why his NDEs didn't have religious elements as those he has read about, he concludes that experiences are tailored to our individual needs and include elements to make each of us comfortable. So this is the uh, experience as told by the experiencer. I had two NDEs, one at age seven and the other at age 14. I remember more from the second one as I was able to write down details and had more of an ability to analyze my experiences. My first occurred in 1978. At the time, an unknown virus had struck a bunch of young children in uh, my community of Pittsfield, Massachusetts. The symptoms included severe dehydration, nausea and vomiting, lethargy, inability to eat or drink, and others. My brother had a milder case of it, but I got one of the worst ones. There were dozens of children who had to be hospitalized for varying lengths of time, from two or three days to weeks. My brother had been able to go home after four days. The ones who were the worst off ended up in isolation tents, unable to be touched by or directly contacted by anyone from the outside. Of those, seven were so severely dehydrated that they that they went into comas and I was one of the seven. During my coma, my breathing and heart stopped for close to five minutes. CPR was performed on me by hospital personnel, and they were able to bring me back. All of this I later found out from my parents and grandmother who had been there while all this was going on. My second NDE was at age 14 while away at camp in a small town in northeastern Massachusetts. My church had arranged this trip and had the bunch of us staying in a giant old cabin, which had a walk-in attic with plenty of sleeping space. For the seven years prior to this, I had been bullied every day of school. I would continue to be bullied for an additional nearly three years until my family moved from Massachusetts to North Carolina in 1987. I sustained 15 head injuries, among many other injuries during that span, all due to the bullying, 12 concussions, three skull fractures. At the camp one afternoon, a fellow camper started bullying me in this attic space, which had a slanted roof on both sides with horizontal wooden 12 by 12 beams for support. He shoved me backwards very hard into one of the slanted areas 
in such a way that the back of my head, which had already sustained several injuries before this, struck one of the beams directly. From the hospital description, which I found out later, the blow had directly impacted my brain stem, which controls most basic functions, including breathing and heart rate. In a daze, I stumbled downstairs. Another kid tried to pick, pick on me, but stopped when I collapsed on the floor. Camp counselors were immediately called, and one of them, thankfully, knew CPR. My breathing and heartbeat had stopped again. He performed CPR for nearly four minutes until the ambulance arrived, at which point the paramedics took over. They managed to revive me in the ambulance, but I was still unconscious. I arrived at the hospital that way with my heart beating but irregular and my breathing shallow. The ER doctor worked on me for nearly 20 minutes before he was able to get a response out of me. From my first NDE, I only remember vague images and concepts and some vivid images. However, my second one, I remember entirely, and once I was in it, I remembered that what was that what I was experiencing was something I had experienced before, and that my second NDE had a lot of the same features as the first. First of all, I definitely was aware that I had left my body. But when I glimpsed my ethereal body, I noticed the same physical features I was uh, used to. I, I later learned that it was uh, akin to a term used in the first Matrix movie, residual self-image. I expected to see the body I was used to, and so I did, to make me more comfortable. Second, I felt like I was lifted away, though I never experienced a bright light or tunnel or saw any dead relatives. To that point, I had not lost any relatives in my lifetime, the the first familial death I experienced was my paternal grandfather in 1989. The first death I experienced of any kind was my best friend, who was killed by a drunk driver when I was 15 and she was 14. Third, I experienced being in a place of some sort, not a, not a room, uh, because it didn't feel closed in or limited, but definitely a sensation of a physical place. I felt rather than saw beings around me, which comforted me and projected peaceful thoughts into my mind. In this realm, talking without speaking seemed perfectly natural to me, as if I'd always done it, but was now just remembering how. I experienced what some have termed a life review. It wasn't like a movie or something where I was outside of it. It was completely interactive and immersive. I got to see good and bad things I had done. I say good and bad, despite the fact that there was absolutely no judgment there. It was more like these things wanted to show me the path in life that I had chosen, and based on what I'd wanted to be, how my actions or words had either helped me along that path or hindered me. This review was not from my perspective. Rather, it was from the perspective of those my words or actions had affected. I experienced how I had made others feel or think about me as, as if I were them. Let me stress here that there was none of the heaven or hell experience for me. No Jesus, no angels or choirs and clouds. No judgment, no punishment, no fear. Also, no religious overtones at all. And this I will explain later. I felt the presence of other souls nearby, those who, like me, had recently died and found themselves in this new reality. 
I know we conversed, but I couldn't tell you the substance of those conversations. In this place, conversation happened spontaneously and without verbalization. And since everything happened with a speed of thought and everything seemed to work faster, it's difficult to put every concept into words because it's like trying to capture a cloud with your hands. Several of us went together on a tour of sorts. We flew at speeds beyond imagining through space and the universe. We were unbound by the laws of physics or any limitations. If we thought about something, we were there instantly. There was no passage of time that I could sense. This journey through space was, in a word, freeing. I felt exhilaration, excitement, wonder, awe, like a kid who had just got to go to all of his favorite places in the world all at once. I never wanted it to end. Colors were so much more vivid, blending together like Van Gogh's starry night painting. And mixed with the colors were sounds and music. Every star we passed had a specific frequency or vibration. The brighter the star, the higher the tone. And conversely, the darker the star, the lower the tone. Global clusters and groupings of young stars were like a stellar chorus. It was the most incredible thing I have ever experienced, bar none. I felt connection to everything all at once. There was no sense of separation, no division between here and there, between me and other beings. My awe was their awe, and their awe was mine. Unfortunately, the journey came to an end. I was by myself again, but felt the comfort and overwhelming love of others all around me. Love was what everything was made of, came from, and returned to, all-encompassing, unconditional love. It enveloped me like a warm blanket on a chilly day, and I just wanted to stay inside that love for the rest of eternity. While there were many voices speaking to me throughout this experience, there was one that seemed to stand out from the rest. I want to say it was a male voice, although there wasn't sex here any more than race or religion or any other distinguishing characteristics, but it felt male to me, if that makes any sense. This voice told me that I had to go back. Upon hearing that, I felt cold and alone. The other voice tried to comfort me more while still backing up the central voice. They, they, they told me that I would remember this experience and that just recalling it would bring it all back to me. They also stressed to me that one day my day would come and that it would be no more than the blink of an eye there. I didn't want to leave, but the more I tried to stay, the heavier I felt, like I was underwater and being dragged down by an anchor. I could sense my body somewhere else, but it felt like an alien to me. I couldn't imagine ever going back to being so limited again. The next thing I knew, I was waking up in the emergency room. I felt pain from my head injury and from falling when I went unconscious, but it was weird to me. I felt the pain, but in a disconnected sort of way, like it was happening to someone else, but I was feeling it with them. I was disoriented and confused, and nothing felt real to me. I didn't respond to the doctor at first because I felt torn between what I had just experienced and this physical realm. I don't recall anything after my first NDE as far as what I did afterwards. All of the details I have are from the others who were there. 
My memory for events below the age of 12 is spotty at best due to the multiple head injuries and dying twice. I felt more connected to the other realm than this one. The things I heard about from uh, about from my family about the differences between me before my first NDE and after were that my IQ dropped slightly, seemingly overnight. I had been in a gifted class beforehand and had a zest for life and exploration and a curiosity about everything around me. However, afterwards, I was lethargic, had almost no interest in school and slept a lot more. Between the constant bullying, my grades in school that were uh, dropping off and uh, my grades in school were dropping off and knowing that I was not where I wanted to be, I, I, I fell into a deep depression that lasted for years. I thought daily about taking my own life because my life here seemed to be all about pain and suffering and I knew there was a better place that I was now separated from. When I was 16, not long after my family moved to North Carolina from Massachusetts, my depression came to a head. I had spent months fantasizing about the end of my life, about ending my life. I had considered and discarded dozens of scenarios because they were outside of my ability to make happen or, or they would put others' lives in danger or they would, or they would hurt. After years of pain, the last thing I wanted was more of it at the end. I settled on pills. Take enough of anything and there's a good chance you might not survive, and it would be painless. But one night, in a heated argument with my mother, I let my frustration and anger spill out of me in a flood, and I told her everything. Spat it at her was more accurate. She had the good sense to know that I was in a very bad place and that I needed help. After being checked into an inpatient ward at a local hospital, I would spend the next four months getting that help, followed by two and a half more months of outpatient therapy in a controlled setting. My parents always believed that the doctor saved me or that the therapy helped, but it didn't. But something else did, and that something was time. Out in the world, I felt constant pressure to be some something to everyone, to do well in school, to do my chores, to fit in, to participate in activities, and so on. But all of this pressure never allowed me a moment's peace to deal with the depression that was eating me from the inside. And so, in the hospital, I hardly ever saw the doctor. Honestly, he was the worst at his job I have ever seen, before or since. But I had time to myself, to face my demons, and to decide whether I wanted to leave this world or fight for myself. I found a strength I never knew that I, that I had in there, and I, I found that my demons could only beat me if I let them. I came out with a much more focused mind, a deeper connection to the world around me, and a deep sense of justice and morality that has only gotten stronger in the years since. I became an activist, an advocate, first against drunk driving after my best friend was killed by a drunk driver, and then later against bullying because of my experiences with it. During my life, I've championed many social and political issues and causes and continue to do so today. But I also came out with a heightened sense of curiosity, especially about the universe, our connections with each other, and about NDEs. I've read and watched dozens of accounts of those who have had NDEs, including Miracles from Heaven, Heaven is for Real, My Stroke of Insight, 
map of heaven, and, and others. And now to explain what I meant by the lack of religious overtones in my NDE. For the longest time, I doubted my own experiences because every NDE I had heard about was the same. Bright light, long tunnel, dead relatives, Jesus and angels and all of the religious things everyone ever talked about. I had none of these experiences. So what was wrong with me? Had I actually had an NDE? What had happened to me? That's when my research turned up something that changed me forever and gave me an insight into NDEs that made complete sense to me. Plus, it just felt right. Several accounts I had read, like Map of Heaven and My Stroke of Insight, had a distinct absence of the religious overtones of those like Miracles from Heaven and Heaven is for Real. As I looked into the backgrounds of those who'd had these experiences, I saw a correlation. Those with a strong religious background and faith had more religious experiences. Those who had a more scientific view or for whom religion didn't play a large role in their lives had a more metaphysical experience. While I had been raised going to church, my parents always made it clear that I was free to make up my own mind with regards to religion. I never felt at home in church, and even while I was going every Sunday for years, later I would stop altogether after an exhaustive but vain search for some place that felt like the home I had felt during my NDE. So my experience was definitely more metaphysical than religious, and I finally knew that I was not alone in that regard. The more research I did, the more I realized that NDEs are as varied as those who experience them. And I believe that I know why. As I already said before, I felt an overwhelming sense of love and acceptance and a complete lack of fear or judgment. I was made to feel completely at ease and comfortable to make the transition between the physical world and this other realm easier for me to both handle and accept. Well, that's the same thing that happens with all of us. But what makes one person feel comforted and accepted might feel overbearing and stifling to another. So each of us is presented with a scenario that fits our mindset, a scenario that makes sense to us, doesn't scare us, and puts our minds at ease. Some want or feel they need for judgment, feel the need for judgment, so they experience that, but only in a way that guides them back to the right path. My life is far different now, so far removed from the one I lived before these two experiences. Yes, some of it was by my choices, but I know that these experiences have shaped the person that I have become more than uh, any choices of mine. In fact, I believe wholeheartedly that many of my choices would never have been made without the influence of them. I'm passionate about a lot of things these days. Activism, photography, reading, writing, astronomy, and so on. But for a long time, one of my passions, really an obsession, remained mostly a secret. I felt like a freak because no one I knew had had an NDE. My experience didn't match those I had heard about for so long, and I felt isolated because I was afraid of sharing mine. But I'm not afraid anymore. I don't fear death, so why would I fear talking about this? So I've started sharing my experiences, first with close-minded friends, that, uh, close like-minded friends, 
then with a wider audience on Facebook. I want others to know that they're not alone and that there's no such thing as a wrong experience. Mostly, I want those like me to see that there's nothing to fear. I also want to let people who haven't had one of these experiences know that much of what drives them is based on a fear of the unknown. They don't know what comes after death, and so they fear it. But the one universal trait of those I have read about or spoken to with NDE stories is that none of them fear death any longer. That's not a coincidence. For why should we fear that which we come from and return to? Our time on this earth, no matter how long or short, is a blink of an eye to the rest of it. Whether you're devoutly religious, a once-in-a-blue-moon attendee, non-religious, or atheist, you won't live forever. Eventually, everyone has to face that moment at the end, whether you're ready or not. And as someone who has seen what comes after firsthand, I promise you there is nothing about it to fear. And that's the conclusion of our first story. We have we have time for one more. This is a little bit shorter. This comes from the August 2016 monthly near-death experience uh, report uh, to the members of INS. In this account, a woman shares an experience from her youth when she almost died. As her spirit leaves the scene of the accident, she notices a traffic signal that was not installed until the following week. How is this possible? Near-death experiencers often say that time and space behave differently in the realm of spirit. When she was recovering, she felt she was between the light and her hospital room, an indication that her spirit may not have been fully back in her body. The woman also experienced increased abilities afterwards, yet didn't receive validation nor have an adequate support system to deal with these after-effects. Fortunately, she eventually accepted her experience and found a way to use her gifts in service to others. And this is the account from um, the experiencer. She writes, I was 16 years old and was in an accident with a school bus. After the car I was riding in landed, I felt myself outside of the car looking in. I noticed people running toward the accident. I have clear memory of a man trying to save the boy beside me. I began rising above the scene, still watching, but I was beginning to notice that something wasn't right. As I floated above the scene, I I floated by a traffic signal that literally wasn't installed until the following week. Shortly after that, I began feeling warmth radiating, radiating from the left and above me. I looked to see what the heat on my shoulder was and realized that I had no shoulder. My attention was drawn to the left and higher up where I noticed the most beautiful, bright, white light that I had ever seen. I was drawn to it and began heading toward it. Suddenly my attention was directed downward when I realized how effortless it was and that I didn't have real eyes. A life review followed where I saw and understood everything that had ever happened in my life. I witnessed things that I had done, things others had done to me, and places I've been, but I held no judgment about any of it. I just observed. Then I felt heat on my, quote, no shoulder, unquote, and turned my attention back upward and to the left. 
I continued to rise, and the heat became warmer. I felt so much love and electricity all around me. I swam in it as if in water, twirling and feeling the complete bliss that the heat and love offered me. Then five shadows began to form in the distance and come toward me, but they stopped. They were familiar to me, but I did not recognize them. When they stopped, I began receiving thought talk. She puts thought talk in quotes. They were discussing whether I could go with them or not. Eventually, I heard, and she puts that in quotes as well, that it wasn't my time. I begged and pleaded in my own thought talk for them to take me with them, but, but they wouldn't. One shadow lingered behind and sent me a message that there was more for me to do. I woke up after two weeks in a coma, and that experience was all I could think about. I didn't have the ability to speak for over a week, and it seemed that I spent most of my awake time somewhere between the light and in the hospital room. When I could finally speak, I began telling my family about my experience. They did not understand and told me to tell my doctor. My doctor and my family dismissed my experience and told me not to mention it again because I sounded crazy and I didn't want people to think I was crazy, so quit talking about it. For months, it never left my mind. And then I started noticing new things that I could not possibly have known. Examples are such, uh, such things as knowing when and how people would die, spirits speaking to me in my dreams, telling me about things that were going to go, that were going on in my life, being able to read people's thoughts, knowing who was coming to the house or calling. I saw spirits standing around or behind people. I knew who I would see when I was out in town. This became too much for me to handle. So I turned to alcohol and drugs to get away from the knowingness I had and to squelch the dreams that were full of prophecy. Eventually, I became an alcoholic and stayed altered in some respect for many years. I've been sober for two years and have shared my NDE story with an auditorium of people who 30 years later were much more receptive and did not think me crazy. Souls that have passed come to me often, especially loved ones, sometimes within hours of their physical death. Sometimes it stays, but most always they come. I uh, can call them to me during meditation, mostly whenever I want. But I try to respect them and not to do that too often. I've become aware of the guides in my life and have become extremely spiritual, although not religious. My life is others-focused today, which I believe to be my purpose, to help others heal. I do this through my natural gifts and training in massage and Reiki. I have a lot more to say, but I'll stop at that. When I accepted my NDE experience, my life changed and continues to get better every day. And in no way do I have any fear related to death. Death would be time for my soul, spirit, soul slash spirit, she's written, to see what it has learned in this lifetime to prepare me for another incarnation. I feel totally blessed by the power that is greater than 
any of us. And there ends that second NDE. Interesting um, how an NDE, especially when an NDE that you feel um, em- not empowered to talk about, not empowered to share, can be a debilitating experience. People who have uh, been shot down for talking about such things, either by their family or their friends or their doctors, whatever, um, have a terrible time reconciling uh, the, the truth of their experience, the reality of attitudes in this world. And, and oftentimes you'll find them going through a period of depression, like uh, that first account I just read, or uh, actually turning to alcohol or drugs or both, uh, just to, to alleviate some of the pain. You know, when you know the truth, you've seen the truth, and sense the power of the truth, and yet you uh, have it rejected, thrown back in your face by the people, by the friends and relatives that you love. It can be terribly upsetting. It can be um, as upsetting, no doubt, as uh, as it was to Jesus when he came to this earth and told the truth and was reviled and rejected on account of it. The uh, one last thing I would like to say is as the first um, NDE-er said in his account, these accounts are designed for the individual. There's a lot of care taken in a near-death experience. There's a, there's a, a reason for everything that happens to us when we have an NDE, and it's not necessarily the same as uh, anyone else's NDE, although the basic framework the, the feeling of love, uh, the understanding that love is everything, uh, and uh, even in distressing NDEs, it's the absence of love that makes them distressing. So these are universal experiences told in individual terms. It's like uh, the notion of the hero's journey. There's one story called the hero's tale, the hero's journey in mythology, but everyone has its own particular take has its own particular details. Well, we're out of time for today. If you'd like to listen to this show again or any of our past shows, just go to our website at nderadio.org and hit the past shows button. For more information about IANS, including the availability of um, recordings and videos from the Just Ended Seattle Conference, please go to their website at iands.org. And join us again next Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern, for more NDE Radio. This is Lee Whitting saying thanks for listening.